0: It's so fascinating because there's a duality to everything, right? Love polarity. For every up, there's a down. For every left, there is a right. For every leader, it's the same. There are positive aspects of a leadership style and there are negative aspects of a leadership style. So it's like you've got this legacy leader that thinks long-term, that really wants to build something amazing, that leaves a legacy, that leaves a mark, but their kryptonite is that they fall into this this crazy pattern that stops them from doing all of these things, where if they could just focus on what the strengths are in their leadership style and leave the rest behind, once they see that it's happening, everything changes.
1: Hello, my love, and welcome to the Boldly Courageous podcast. My name is Melissa Martin. I am a business and embodiment coach and creator of the Boldly Courageous community, Just like you, I've walked through some dark seasons in life and I know what it's like to start over again and write a new story. This podcast is here to activate you, to show you what's possible when you embody your power and walk with courage and fear in the pursuit of what sets your soul on fire. Each week, you will hear authentic conversations with thought leaders and visionaries as we dive deep into topics such as spirituality, business, money, relationships, sexuality, and so much more so that you can fully embody your boldly courageous self. Are you ready? Let's drop in. Hey, real quick before we dive into the episode, I need to let you know about something really, really special to me. So if you're anything like me and you've had this calling on your heart to start a podcast, but you have no idea where to start, I want to introduce you to the incredible team that I have worked with literally from day one of launching boldly courageous over at podcast and co they have just released a self paced course called launch your fucking podcast. This program will literally take you through step by step of launching your podcast from start to finish. You will learn everything about how to create and find the foundation and mission of your podcast, how to come up with the perfect name, get super clear on your audience and the structure of your show. Also, you will learn how to record, how to produce, how to edit, and also hosting, music, creating the perfect cover and building a successful launch strategy. Basically, by the end of the program, you will have launched a podcast that feels authentic, and expansive to you, labeling you as the expert that is ready to impact and grow your audience in whatever phase of life they may be up. So all you have to do is go to the link in the show notes, use code boldly courageous at checkout, and you will get a hundred dollars off the launch your fucking podcast course. So now let's jump into the episode. Hello, my love, and welcome back to the Boldly Courageous podcast. As always, I am so grateful that you are here with me today. It is an honor to be a part of your day, your journey, your life. And I just want to say thank you for sharing the podcast, for tagging me on social, for sending me DMs and letting me know what your favorite episode was, what the takeaway has been. It truly is. Podcasting is like one of my favorite things in the world. And I'll just love, love, love knowing that it gets to be a part of your world as well. So today is special. I think it's special. Every now and then I have one of these conversations that just feels like an anchor point. It's like something shifts or an energy evolves and people just have been showing up into my life in ways that have been so special. And my guest today is a woman named Steph Tuss, and she's the CEO of a multimillion dollar global consulting company called Life Is Now Inc. And this conversation was like, it was one of those episodes where I can't believe an hour flew by and I felt like I could talk to her for, for another hour. And the, the topic of this of this conversation is about leadership and leadership is something that I'm very passionate about, but we go deep into personal leadership. We talk about family dynamics and the most important leadership role you will have as a mom. But more importantly, we talk about the mindset of being a CEO and leading as a female CEO with vulnerability. We talk about emotional intelligence. We talk about leadership in a very different way than most CEOs talk about leadership, which was very refreshing. So when I say leadership, I don't necessarily mean in the hierarchical kind of way. I don't mean in an authoritative way. And we actually talk about that. I mean, self-leadership. So please do not pass up this episode if you don't consider yourself a leader. Like if you're not a CEO, if you're not an entrepreneur, that is okay. There is still an opportunity for you to be, Self led in your own life. If you are a parent, you have the most important leadership role. And even if you are working for a company or you are in your career, there is a certain level of leadership that you are walking through. So, in this episode, Steph shares a story about being a young entrepreneur and making a $100,000 mistake very early on in her business and how she, like, what she has taken from that experience and been able to apply all of the lessons from the mistakes that she's made in the past to being a really successful CEO now. So, so many good nuggets. I literally took pages of notes. And then really exciting. We dive into a brand new leadership assessment tool that is live right now. You can go to the show notes and click the link. Um, And head over to life is now to take this leadership assessment. So we walk through the four different leadership styles that are ingrained in us by the time we are seven years old. And just having this information is such a powerful blueprint to what your um, leadership strengths are, and what the uh, opposite side of that is, like your kryptonite, as Steph calls it. So, there's so many good nuggets in here. Steph shares her perspective as a 19 year old person that was told she was far too bossy, and navigating that as a young woman with, you know, being in her power, and how that's not always welcomed. To now being a mom of two amazing women and everything that's happened in between. So my guest today is Steph Tuss. She is the CEO of a multi-million-dollar global consulting company, Life Is Now Inc., and a frequent stand-in co-host of Business Daily News' top-ranked podcast, The Successful Mind. Steph discovered her love for teaching at a young age, beginning her career as an educator. And it was during this time that her firstborn child was facing health difficulties, and she decided to completely overhaul their diets to figure out the root cause. So she went back to school and pursued a master's degree in holistic nutrition, and she went on to open a practice to help families who faced similar challenges. Fast forward a few years, Steph hired David Neagle and his team at Life Is Now, Inc. as her health practice business coach. As she continued to scale her business, her love for entrepreneurship and growing businesses shined through, and she eventually sold her business. And at the age of 33, she joined Life is Now as the director of sales in 2009 before taking on the CEO role less than a decade later in 2016. Such a boss move. In her six years at the helm of the company, Steph has become the primary driver behind all of Life is Now's marketing, business development, and brilliant team culture. As a recent empty nester, which she talks about on the show, Steph lives in Charlotte, North Carolina with her husband and her cattle dog, Jack, and in their spare time, she enjoys traveling their country in her Airstream trailer. So much fun. Without further ado, let's dive into my conversation with Steph. Steph, welcome to the Boldly Courageous podcast. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you about leadership because we were just chatting before we hit record. And something that I love about you, that I've gotten to know about you in the very short period of time that we've been able to connect is this duality of your personality, like you are the CEO of an incredible leadership development brand and you also live this super fun off the grid lifestyle of like fun and adventure and um, you know you do the Airstream thing so it's so interesting to see the multifaceted components of your personality and as we're getting to know each other it's just something that I'm I'm like loving and appreciating so thank you so much for being you and for being here
0: thank you I'm super excited to be here
1: So what is one boldly courageous thing that you've done recently?
0: Oh, one boldly courageous thing that I've done recently, I guess it's a, it's any creative, whatever they create is a part of themselves, right? So there's a little bit of vulnerability that, that goes along with launching anything that you feel like you've put your heart and soul into. And we've just launched, um, a, a visionary leader assessment that I worked on for over six months to create and, and really put together and was a little emotional about like actually having it be ready to have people go through it. Because, you know, when you release something into the world, you could get positive feedback and you could also get negative feedback. So I think the courageous thing that I, that I've done recently was to, is to kind of pour my heart and soul into this assessment, um, to be in service to other leaders and also to like allow myself to be a little bit vulnerable. And if someone doesn't like it, it doesn't mean anything about me. (laughs) <laughs> don't take it personally.
1: Exactly. I think as as uh, a lot of the people that listen to this podcast are entrepreneurs or they're digital content creators, and there is that sort of like feeling in your body of, I hope that this will be received. And so I'm curious, have you ever walked through a scenario like that in the past where you've kind of put your heart and soul into it and maybe it wasn't received the way that you hoped it would have been? Oh... Um,
0: when I first started my very first business, and I don't know if I've told you this, when I first started my very first business, I started as a, a holistic nutritionist. So I had my own nutrition practice. I had it, it was my own business. I wasn't in partnership with anyone and I had no business training. Like I've, I've never been to business school. I don't have an MBA. There are no entrepreneurs in my family. My dad was a factory worker, you know, like I didn't have anybody that I was I was learning from. I just knew that I wanted to start this business. And if I didn't, I would be completely miserable and terrible to be around. So I started this business and it grew. Um, and it grew to a point where I had so many clients, I was having a difficult time managing them. So I had this really great idea to partner with a software development and build a nutrition software program and made a lot of mistakes. It was I poured my heart and soul and $100,000 into the project and it completely failed. So not only did I pour my heart and soul into a product that nobody wanted, I also poured our life savings into a project that nobody wanted. So not only did did I disappoint myself, but I felt like horribly responsible to my family for investing this money in something that didn't take off. Now, those lessons that I learned in doing that have paid off in spades. Like that, that experience is, is you know, part of the reason why I'm in the position that I'm in right now. You have to make big mistakes, right? Like they're <laughs> to do big things. I really believe that. Um, you know, or you could say the old saying: calm waters don't make a strong sea captain, right? Like, so adversity is also an opportunity for learning, mm-hmm. but that was something that, you know, I still kind of, I think that's like, there's old remnants of that as we're getting ready to launch this as we did did pour our heart and soul into it. And we also invested quite a bit in making this something that's that's really super valuable. So in that situation, didn't turn out the way that I wanted it to. I'm very confident that this is going to turn out the way that I want it to, partly because of the lessons that I learned from the first time that I really did something big and it didn't work out.
1: Mm. This is so valuable because I know, um, for people that are wanting to either invest in themselves, right? Like through hiring a coach or um, working with an agency to build their brand. There is that fear around the financial piece of like, what if I don't make my investment back? And I know that in my own experience, their return on investment isn't always monetary, right? Sometimes the failure is the lesson. So when you think about, um, you're a CEO now and, you know, you were a founder at one point, you know, with this nutrition company, as you look back, what would you do differently? Like if you were in that position again, where, You now you have a CEO mindset, you know, you're running an incredibly large organization, you probably have a very different lens that you're looking through. So if you could go back and be that version of yourself again, and you were investing money into a startup, or you were, you know, going to bring this new technology out into market, what would you do differently? Or what would what would be some of the things that maybe you would be asking yourself or testing or vetting prior to like, going all in on that investment?
0: yeah, these were my big lessons, right? So what I have, what I have done things differently. Yes. I mean, but I I've learned so much and this is what I've, this is what I've learned from the, the experience. So I, um, with my, so a, my software developer, I did not have a written contract in place. Lesson, lesson number one learned never in my life after that, have I ever done anything without a contract and clear agreements in place. So it was a handshake deal. Oh, he's a nice guy. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, um, from the Midwest, like everyone wants a nice nice person. let's overlook everything else because they're nice, right? like don't ask for a contract because it might feel uncomfortable. and I didn't I didn't create a contract with him. so deadlines kept getting pushed costs kept going up. oh, I need this to do this. this wasn't originally stated I need more to do this like that kind of thing happened which the project was not supposed to be a hundred thousand a hundred thousand dollar project. the project was was supposed to be a lot less than that and it was supposed to be delivered way before it was actually finished. Actually, it still isn't finished. Um, so first lesson, do nothing. <laughs> Don't do anything without a contract. Second lesson is I didn't I didn't do any market research. So I didn't look at what other software programs were currently in place. Um, keep in mind, this was 20 years ago. So technology was in a different place then than it is now for sure. Um, I didn't, I would have pre-sold it before even started building it, right? Which is a huge mistake I see coaches and consultants make is that they feel like they have to have their entire program or whatever built out and done and in a, in a can with a pretty bow on it before they sell it. And actually it works better when you pre-sell what it is that you're going to offer and then build it after it's sold for lots of different reasons. Um, But the big thing is I, I didn't I didn't ask anybody if this is something that they would want, right? So I built it to better manage my clients. It was a really cool software program that when you input what it was you were eating based on the directions that I was giving, like the guidance I was giving, it would then automatically give you feedback on what to change, you know, modify what to do next. And then my idea was to go into supplement companies and sell this to supplement companies because it would align with also including a reminder to take their you know, to take their, their vital supplements. Supplement companies were like, we don't need this. We don't want any part of it. Or we do just fine selling supplements. So that was like oh no. Um, coaching clients, because it was so early, I mean, it, like I said, technology isn't what it is now. Most of my clients were, you know, like 45 and over. So not super great in technology. And at that time, smartphones were not really a, a thing, right? I mean, you had your Blackberry and then start f- smartphones were just starting to, to come online.
1: My thumbs can do some damage to a Blackberry. <laughs> I'm laughing because I had I remember the Blackberry days. <laughs>
0: yeah. So it wasn't, it wasn't like easily accessible for them. Not everybody had a computer at home, mm-hmm. right? So it was Lots of mistakes were made. I thought I was doing this really great thing and it was going to work out. And I, I really had my head in the clouds and, and I wasn't asking anyone for help or advice. You know, mm-hmm. a big thing that I've always struggled with is this need to do it myself. Cause my value has always been placed on what problems I can solve and, and, and what things I can do myself. Right. You know, I don't know how many times I heard my dad say, you know, why pay someone else to do something you can, you're perfectly capable of doing yourself. Right. Yeah. yeah. Doesn't work if you're a business owner, just FYI. Um, so I didn't ask for advice. I could have reached out to people and asked advice. Like, what do you think about this? Do you think this is going to work? And it, it, it just, I just didn't. So lots of lessons learned that have been carried over into both what I do as a CEO and what I teach our business owners um, when I'm working with them um, in their business.
1: So valuable. Like I'm scribbling down notes because I'm like, wow, this is fascinating. And and uh, success leaves clues. Right. So now you're in this CEO role. And you said the last thing that you said really stood out to me of like, I didn't ask for help. And, you know, why do something else when I can do it myself? And I know for me um, in my business, I reached a point where I was in a a mastermind. And this was a high level mastermind, you know, um, high six figure earners moving into seven figures. And we were doing this exercise around income goals and really paying attention to like the thoughts or the beliefs that were coming up. And at the time I was, I was in network marketing and I had a couple other businesses and I was making around 300,000 a year, which was really good. It was great. And, you know, the goal is, oh, I want to hit that first million. Like I think a lot of entrepreneurs, it's the, the first mark is let me hit six figures in my business. And then the next is I want to be a millionaire. Right. And the thought, the immediate thought that came up when I was feeling into making a million dollars was I don't have any time or energy. Like I don't have enough energy to make a million dollars because at that $300,000 mark, I was exhausted. I was having adrenal fatigue. I was struggling in my marriage. Like I felt like I was doing everything. And, and it was that mindset of why would I pay someone to do these things when I can just do them myself? Like the idea, the, the, the internal like anxiety and struggle I was feeling was I was rushing, like I was behind. And so trying to wrap my head around the amount of time it would take to teach someone how to do things felt like a waste of time time and therefore a waste of money because I didn't have time because I was doing everything right. So it's like this like hamster wheel of why would I, why would I pay someone when I can just do it myself? It's easier. And I realized I was becoming the bottleneck in my business. And there was this like fear of delegating. And also I didn't have any like real standard operating procedures. Everything was just kind of in my brain and kind of messy and unorganized, which I think a lot of entrepreneurs deal with? Like when you get into rooms with people and you're like, so what are your SOPs? And their eyes glaze over and they're like, what are you talking about? (laughs) Like, I don't know. I just know what to do. So now you're a CEO of a very successful company. And obviously you are not in a position where you can't ask for help. Like I, I would imagine that is like literally your job title to ask for help and to delegate. So how do you do that now? Like, again, thinking back to you know, the, the baby entrepreneur version of yourself being in the CEO role now, like how can a young entrepreneur who's just starting their business think like a CEO versus think like a solopreneur in terms of like delegation and things of that nature?
0: So, well, specifically when someone's first starting in their business, generally my recommendation is always that they hire an executive assistant first or a personal assistant first, right? because your time is really broken down into tasks. You can't manage time, but you can manage tasks. And so if you can begin to identify which tasks you're currently doing that you would pay someone 10, 12, 14, $20 an hour doing, those are things that you shouldn't be doing yourself. And it's hard, right? It's really hard because most, I hate hate general blanket statements, but a lot of entrepreneurs, get in the business that they're in because they love doing the thing that the business is 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 delivering right mm-hmm. yeah. they don't get into business because they want to manage a team <laughs> Right. They don't get in the business because they want to figure out systems and they want to create an org org chart and they want to like, that's not why they got into business. They got into business because they love the thing that they're delivering. Attorneys go into business because they love law. You know, coaches go into business because they've experienced coaching and it's changed their life. Like everyone has a reason for going into business. And it's not that I've found because they want to manage people. Right. Right. Or they want to, they want to have a, a ginormous team or they want all these like you know, leadership issues. So they go into business and they start, they start doing all the things and then their identity is tied up into, into the business, right? So it's like their business is then a symbol of their worth. And then handing that off to someone makes them feel very out of control because again, a lot of business owners love control, right? That's how they've built the business. There's a lot of positive things about that, but really the first step is, is awareness, like stepping back and saying, okay, I'm doing eight hours of 10 to $12 tasks Mm. when I could be spending those eight hours focusing on business development, focusing on going out and in creating relationships that, that pull the business forward, focusing on sales, focusing on creating, um, systems and procedures that bring clients in, whether that's a funnel, whether it's posting on Facebook, whether it's, you know, seeking speaking engagements, you know, whatever those things are, then they can see that they're actually stealing from their own company by not delegating those $10 and $12 tasks, Mm. right? You're actually like robbing yourself by by not handing some of those things off. And it really depends on the person, because you know you've got analytical decision makers that if you can put it in a mathematical equation and you can say, "Look, you paid this person, you know, fifteen dollars an hour to do these tasks. It's actually going to make you five thousand dollars a month."
1: Mm.
0: Right? They're like, "Oh, no brainer. I'm so going to hire this person," you know, quickly. Um, but then you have the people that can see the math and also don't think that they can that they can delegate. And that really comes down to, and I see this with women, especially it comes down to a worth issue, Mm. right? They don't think that they're worth being supported, right? And they're getting their, they're getting their feeling of worth filled by doing all the things in the business because their identity is tied up in it. So when they get that, get to that point, they have to realize that they've got to adapt, a new identity, that their identity identity can't be the person that does all the things in the business, because then look at how many things I do and look what I created. And that makes me, that makes me worthy. That makes me good enough. They've got to switch to, I, my, now my primary thing now is to, is to drive the vision of this company. And I can't do that if I'm doing all the things. Hmm. Does that make sense?
1: Oh my gosh, this lands. Yes. 110%. And I I always draw so many parallels between the way my business operates to the way my dating life operates. So I was I was in a relationship slash married for seven ish years, like, you know, married within that. And then,, um, I'm single now and I'm dating and I just I really pay it, I've been paying so much attention to that worthiness piece of like, where is my value found in like codependency? Right. And I can see how codependency leaks not only in ro- romantic relationships and friendships, but also in business relationships. And I started my entrepreneurial journey in network marketing, and it was like the perfect feeding ground for those that are codependent because it's like my worth is found in solving your problems. Like I'm so, I'm more invested in fixing your life than you are. And if, and I remember feeling this weird uncertainty around leaders on my team, that if they rose above me leadership wise or rank wise, like, what is my value? If I can't do something for you, what is my value? And I started seeing that a lot in my personal relationships of like, if I'm not valuable to you to help you figure out these things in your life or to be the savior in these areas, then what is my worth? Like, am I worthy just because of who I am? And then there's like this, like martyr energy comes in of like, I do everything for you and I get nothing in return, but it's like, uh, hello, you put yourself in that situation to do all those things. So this idea that like what you're talking about really started to unwind for me as I started doing a lot of the inner work around the types of relationships I was attracting romantically and then I was like oh this I've solved it here but it just like moved over to this category in business it's still there like I'm still having this like need to be needed not wanted and there's a very different energy in that and I started to see how that was bottlenecking in my business as well of like well I do everything so there's a, there's a martyr, like a martyrness that comes up in that as well.
0: A hundred percent. And that savior pattern, oof, like, you know, you pick that up before the age of seven and it just becomes who you are, right? Like recovering savior pattern right here, right? (laughs) Like, and when you try to delegate that shows up in, you may delegate a task, but you don't delegate decisions. So you delegate tasks and everybody comes to you, for every tiny little decision that needs to be made. Mm. And then you have complete decision fatigue and you're resentful of your team and you go into that place of martyr and wonder why do I have team in the first place if I have to answer all these questions and make all these decisions? Wow. Yes. So if you were to take our, our visionary leader quiz, I think you'd be a catalyst, which is what I am. So our like our superpower and the, they come from, they generally come from that savior pattern, right? Of doing it all yourself. Um, and, and the flip is the martyr to the catalyst, but the superpower is that you develop people, you understand mm. people, you help people transform, right. Which is probably what made you really good at what you, at, at what you were doing with, with network marketing, even though it was feeding you from a codependent perspective, yeah. but there's like some, some serious strength in, in that. And there's also the kryptonite, right. There's also the, you know, if I. I have the strength of, of building people, but I also have this kryptonite of also saving them. Mm. Right?
1: Yeah. So, so there's a lot of like self-awareness and that like your strength, it's like, I love that you use the word kryptonite because it just, you know, it like uh, balances it out so well. The duality of like ev- like the, the the polarity or duality and strengths on, on, on the other side of that is also, you know, a weakness, so to speak, or an area of opportunity. So let's talk about leadership because- Um, You mentioned this a couple of times. This has been like a thread throughout the conversation. Um, And you mentioned in the very beginning about this assessment, this leadership assessment. So, um, and you mentioned like by the age of seven, these things are kind of hardwired. So can you um, maybe go back a little bit and talk about, you know, a little bit about life is now and why this assessment has come up? Like, why have you been investing so much time in this for the past six months? And then I would love to hear, what it is and how it supports people because I'm excited like I can't wait to take it. <laughs> yes. So,
0: we are Life is Now Inc. Um we are consultants for small business owners. Um and we we're not we don't have a specific niche. So we don't work with just doctors or just dentists or just law firm owners. We we help anyone in in small business. And we've we've the business has been incorporated for over 20 years. I personally have been with the company for over 14 and I've been CEO for the last six. And so we have lots of experience with all different types of business owners. Like we've worked with people that own manufacturing companies. We work with people that, I mean, just like run the gamut. So fun because we work with different businesses all the time. Right. But we began to notice that Where we could have the most impact is where we, when we focused on building the company founder into the person they need to be to lead the team, to create the vision, because Mm. if you have a big vision, you can't do it yourself. You need people. And we were noticing that, yes, we could, we could like coach you through all your stuff and we could look at your blind spots and all this, but if we weren't focusing on how to speak with you directly in terms of your unique leadership style, it kind of fell on deaf ears. So our focus has really turned to to focusing on founders, but in a different way. We're looking at how we can consult with them from a place of, this is kind of who you are. And I mentioned, you know, a lot of these things were established before the age of seven. Before the age of seven, your mind did not have the ability to reject anything that you were exposed to, right? So everything that you were exposed to went in. At the age of seven, then you began began to be able to discern, yes, I'm going to accept that, or no, I'm not going to accept that. But before the age of seven, you're really a product of everything that you experienced around you, people that raised you, the, 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 the messages and signals that you picked up on, and you also kind of took on your roles at that time too, based on your family dynamic, right? So we were noticing that this was really showing up in leadership styles, like We would start getting the same questions like, how do I get my team to do this? Or I'm so pissed off that I have this team and I'm paying them this and they're not doing this. And everything takes longer than what it needs to be taking. And we started really looking at, well, what's actually causing this? And we, we found that by focusing on the leader of the company and helping them become the most powerful leader, that had a trickle down effect on their team. And then that had a trickle down effect on everything their team touched, including their clients and their team's family. And we thought we have, we have big goals to make a big impact, right? Like we want to help the good guys win period. And so we were noticing that this was, this was a game changer for our clients. And it was a win, win, win across the board for everybody else. So instead of focusing on like, oh, we're going to teach you this specific skill to overcome this, or this specific skill to overcome this, we really started focusing on, okay, what needs to shift in who this leader is being, and then what systems align with this type of leader? So let me give you an example. One of the leadership styles in that, that, you know, the result is called the charismatic leader. And here's the thing with the charismatic leader, they don't want to be a leader. They don't want to be the leader of their company. They're not meant to be the leader of their company, right? But they also think that they have to. This is like Richard Branson trying to do all of the things in his company. He, he's, he does not want to be the leader of the company. He wants to hire this leader to run this, and this leader to run this, and this leader to run this, because he has a big vision, and he needs to communicate it to one person, and then have that person be the leader of that company. But when you have a charismatic leader that doesn't realize that it's okay for them not to be the leader, that it's okay for them to hire an integrator, or to hire a second in command, or to hire a me, because my business partner, the founder of Life Is Now, is a charismatic leader. He did not want to lead and he he knew that. He knew that actually leading was his kryptonite. Hmm. Because he he doesn't communicate clearly. He sees everything in his head but he can't communicate it so everybody can 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 figure it out. You imagine what happens in a business with a charismatic leader that's trying to be something that they're not, right? This is these are the leadership types that will hire a team and be excited about the team at first and then end up firing everybody, right? You have the catalyst, which I'm a catalyst. I have a feeling you're a catalyst. You'll have to let me know when you take the, when you take I will, yeah. um, a catalyst, their flip is a martyr. So they're really great at building team. They're great at developing relationships. They're great at communication and connection and they galvanize team behind a, behind a vision. They're very clear, um, communication, but their kryptonite is their need to be doing all the things. So they don't delegate or they resist delegating or and and then they they end up resenting their team. They're like, I I should just be doing this myself. Like I don't, I don't like I'm so tired, I'm so busy, I've done all this, I've stayed up until two o'clock in the morning doing this. Mm-hmm. Look at me, I'm so, I'm so special because that's where they get their their value from. Right. Right. So the and those are just two. There's also legacy and limitless leader, but you can see that like consulting with a charismatic leader is going to be way different than consulting with a catalyst leader. And they also don't, the the charismatic leader doesn't see their strengths because all they're seeing is how big of a failure they are at leading a team. Right. Whereas if they knew exactly, okay, I'm a charismatic leader. I need to step out of this. I need to hire a second command. I need to focus on the vision and speaking on stages and, you know, disrupting the industry and really big high level things that a team doesn't necessarily understand or can implement, then like, if they don't, if they don't offload that leadership role to someone, their business implodes, mm. they'll just tear
1: it down. Wow. Wow. This this seems like uh, you mentioned, I think, before we recorded like something about human design and personality assessment. And this almost feels like the astrology or human design of like your business, like your leadership. Template, yes. So I love this, and I think that these types of tools are so helpful when it comes to how you be in the world and how you interact. And I could also see this, like I'm thinking in terms of head of household, right? Because that's a leadership role as well. So like I oh, could yes. see how, um, if you're listening to this episode and you you might think, well, I don't, I don't, I'm not, I don't I'm not running a company or I don't have my own business. And yet you're still part of a team, whether you have a family dynamic or you're an employee. So could this be how, like, could those uh, individuals who maybe don't identify as a CEO, they don't identify as like a quote unquote leader because they're not an entrepreneur, but they're, you know, head of a household or something like that. Would this assessment also be helpful to, for them as well?
0: Oh my gosh. A hundred percent. I mean, how you do anything is how you do everything. This Mm. is
1: not just translated into business,
0: right? Like, Mm me as a mom and a wife trying to do it all. Like I'm making, I'm cooking the dinner. I'm packing lunches. I'm taking the kids back and forth to school. Look at me. Look at how great of a mom I am. Look at how great of a wife I am. And inside, I hate everyone. Right. I'm a total martyr. Like I want to tear someone's head off or like punch a window because I'm like, ah, I hate my life. Right. I'm not focused on what my strengths are and I'm not allowing myself to, to get help in the areas that I need help, right? And, and that's hard too, because I mean, speaking as a, as a woman, I mean, like my, I grew up in a long line of women that thought their value was in making sure that dinner was on the table every single night and that they cleaned their own house. And, you know, like asking for help was not anything that was an option for them. So it was always looked down on. So when we first had someone clean our house, it was super uncomfortable for me because I, I remember distinctly hearing my grandma say, well, why would you hire someone to do something for you perfectly capable of doing yourself? What a waste of money. Right. But that that didn't that didn't work for me. So this quiz will give you insights into into any and all areas of your life, Whether whether you're a business founder, whether you're a CEO, whether you're a mom, whether you're a wife, whether you're a single person in a relationship, it actually kind of gives you just a snapshot that might trigger something in your mind that goes, oh, I didn't see that and now I see it and now I can make a different choice or I can do something different.
1: Mm. And even from where I'm sitting as someone who works with and coaches women and high-performing leaders through embodiment, like embodiment is such a huge theme in my for myself and self-leadership. I can see this being a really great tool as well for me as a coach to help my clients to say, okay, now that we know this framework, let's work through um, setting you up for success as opposed to working against your template.
0: Yes, <laughs> it's like speaking a language,
1: yeah. Right.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah. you've got different types of learners. You've got tactile learners, auditory learners, visionary—you know, visual learners. And the idea behind a good teacher is that you understand the the best way to reach your whoever it is that you're teaching. Whether you're teaching your team, whether you're teaching a client, whether you're teaching, client, whether you're teaching your child, right? And this gives you a framework for understanding how this person works, so that you can package it in a way that can be easily received by them.
1: Mm. So you mentioned that there was two other leadership styles. Can you share a little bit about what those are and maybe what the kryptonite is on the other side of that?
0: Yes. So there's limitless and there's legacy Mm -hmm. and, um, limitless is the kryptonite is avoidance. So Mm -hmm. limitless, they, they see like way out here. They want to lead their own team, but their whole MO is to avoid anything like avoid difficult conversations, (laughs) <laughs> like avoidance is their thing, right? And then you've got legacy, and the op- the kryptonite of legacy is they f- they drop into like this this childlike, why is this happening to me? Mm. Like this childlike victimhood. So in like it's it's so fascinating because me you know, every there's a duality to everything, right? Love polarity. For every up, there's a down. For every left, there is a right. For every leader, it's the same. There are positive aspects of leadership style and there are are negative aspects of a a leadership style. So it's like, okay, you've got this this legacy leader that thinks long-term, that really wants to build something amazing, that leaves a legacy, that leaves a mark, but their kryptonite is that they fall into this this crazy pattern that stops them from doing all of these things. Where if they could just focus on what the strengths are in their in their in their leadership style and leave the rest behind once they see that it's happening, everything changes.
1: I feel like there's crossover. Like I'm like identifying with a little bit of each one of these leadership styles yes. as you're speaking I'm like, oh, I could I could see that I could see that I could see that. So is there some you know crossover between the, those four? There is. There is some crossover. Yes. Yeah. I love this. This is so fun. Okay. So for those that are like, okay, how do I get my hands on this? Where do I find more information on this? What's the best place for them to, to head to?
0: So there is a link. Um, I don't know what the link is, but I know it's going to be sent to you.
1: Um, we'll put it in the show notes because I know it hasn't launched yet. As we're recording this, it hasn't even launched yet, which is exciting. So
0: we'll it's launching it today. this launches. Now. But you can go to our website, which is Life Is Now Inc. That's I N C, lifeisnowinc.com. And right on the front page of the website, you'll see the um, visionary leadership assessment, and you can take it right from there. So, whichever is easiest for you. Um, but lifeisnowinc.com and then you just write like, can't miss it front and center on the, on the webpage is the, the leadership quiz. Mm,
1: I love that. Okay. I'm, I'm going to be doing it. I will definitely be sharing my results and does Life is now, inc have an Instagram account? Yes. Okay.
0: And it will be there too. Like we're, we're screaming it from the, from the mountaintops. I love that um, so that okay. everybody can have access to it. So yeah, we'll be posting it on our Instagram as well. And our Instagram handle is life is now Inc.
1: Okay, cool. So what I'm going to ask for those that are listening, if you take the quiz, I would love for you to screenshot your results and tag me and then tag that life is now so we can celebrate the results. Oh. It would be so fun to see like what your, I guess, like leadership archetype is. I know I'm going to be doing it. I can't wait. And, and to kind of dive into this a little bit more. Okay. So I'm curious, right? You've been CEO for 14 years. Is that correct? Six years. Six so years with the I company. started
0: with the company 14 years ago and I've actually been CEO for
1: six. So badass. Okay. So here you are, this badass CEO running this amazing company. If you could think back to like 19 or 20 year old version of you, and she's like, you know, probably getting, getting ready to go off to college or whatever. And she sees you as CEO. Like what, what would be in her mind about being like, Hey, one day you're going to be CEO of a a major company. What would she be thinking?
0: She would never believe it. (laughs) My 19 year old self would never believe what I'm doing right now. Like it wasn't even in her, in her, like in her awareness. So my 19 year old self had all kinds of beliefs about how she needed to stop being so bossy. (laughs) That was the, that was the message that I received my entire life. Like stop being so freaking bossy Steph, like stop being bossy. And I'm from a long line of farmers. So my nickname was actually bossy, the cow, (laughs) not because I was overweight. So no, they weren't attacking my weight. It's not that it's because that in every like herd of cattle, there's one cow that like leads everybody else. Right. And they called, that was bossy, the cow, that was the, the boss cow. So my whole life, I grew up being told stop being so bossy. Right. So if I were to say something to my 19 year old self, I would say, be freaking bossy, like own that. That's a leadership quality. Um, because I think so many, so many of us, especially as girls. And even now it it's like, shh, don't be so bossy. Nobody likes, nobody likes a bossy girl, right? Where if someone would have stopped and said, no, you know what? You're not bossy. You've got leadership skills. Like let's develop those leadership skills. Um, I think that there will be a a lot more girls that felt way more empowered and confident in what they knew and who they, who they are. And they wouldn't feel I'm getting emotional. I'm sorry. (laughs) They wouldn't feel so tamped down. Yes. So that's what my that's that's what I would tell my 19-year-old self.
1: Thank you so much for sharing yes. that. And I resonate yes. with that. And um, I'm not a parent. I'm not a mom. I'm an auntie, sort of. Um Aww. my best friend who I am with right now out in California has a daughter who uh is like my little, she's a, such a little earth angel, right? And she's so like her her personality is so big. And I think um, so much of what we're talking about from leadership to me also translates to the ultimate leadership role of parenting, right? Because it, oh, it really gosh. is the most important leadership role you'll ever have. Yes. And I'm constantly bringing awareness to m- how, like what you were saying, like literally everything I'm going to say to this little person is not going to be filtered through uh, like anything other than this is law. Yes. So it makes me feel so much more, um, careful with what I share with her and gosh, it's so interesting to, to see her expression in the world and her little personality. What did she say the other day? I, she loves a good, like routine. She's like, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. Like we're checklist people, yep. which I'm sure you can relate to. Yes, so she loves a, She loves a good checklist. Yeah. She loves a good agenda. So I, I said to her, like, you know, is we're going to go to cheer practice and then you're going to come home. You're going to take a shower. We're going to eat dinner. We'll finish your homework. And then if there's time left over, you can watch your iPad. And she was like, I am not agreeable to these terms. And I just looked at her and I was like, what did you just say? Like, she's like, uh, no, auntie, I am not agreeable to these terms. And I'm just like, oh my God, who are you? Right. That's amazing. And it's like, it is, it is, uh, it is something to be celebrated, but I'm, I'm curious now having you, having been on the other side of this, you're an, you're a CEO, you're in a leadership role, but you're also a parent, right? So how has becoming, how has being in a leadership role changed the way that you have parented and and raised your children?
0: Oh my gosh. It's changed so much. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm like, I feel like I've moved from mom to mentor, both my girls, like this is like year two of empty nest. Um, I've got a 19 year old that's a sophomore in college and I've got a, a 21 year old that's adulting and has a full-time job and is like finding her way in the world, right? And I think the way, I think how it's changed is that I, I have empowered them to make decisions for themselves. So I don't feel the need to jump in and save them. Um, They've got to make mistakes. And I've, I've, we've really taught them like mistakes are okay. We ourselves sunshine our mistakes. I'm constantly sunshining my mistakes, right? Like I'm constantly saying, oh, I made this mistake today. And this is what I learned from it. And I made this mistake today. And this is what I learned from it because especially in our world right now with, with the influencer you know, culture, people don't see mistakes. And so young people think that nobody makes mistakes and that everybody has it figured out and nobody has it figured out. <laughs> if they only knew. <laughs> right? So giving them by modeling, giving myself permission to make a mistake, by, by modeling, giving my giving myself permission to not be perfect, it gives them permission for those things too. And it also allows them to see mistakes as opportunities, which I think is huge in leadership right? Like if you don't see opportunity in mistakes, all you make it, all you make mistakes mean is that you're a bad person Mm. and nothing good comes of it. Right. So, I mean, I could sit here for probably three hours and tell, tell, tell you all the ways that leadership trans transfers into, into parenting, but really it's like, I don't jump in and try to save them. I really like resist doing that because if I jump in and try to save them, the message they get is that they're not smart enough they're not good enough to make their own decisions and to make their own mistakes right if i say you got this like you got this they get to learn what what consequences come from the mistakes that they make they get to learn how to how to you know see the gifts in their mistakes and they get to take 100% responsibility for the really great things that their decisions create whereas before it's oh well mom told me to do that so this mm. isn't really my win this is this is a shared win So, and I, I do that with our team as well. Like our team is empowered to make decisions. They know that they know that making mistakes are, is, is just, is just fine. You can't innovate without making mistakes. So if you have a team that's afraid of making mistakes, you're not going to have an innovative team that pivots. Um, and then I also think having conversations with them about being your word, um, To be a good leader, you have to be a leader worth following, right? And to be a a leader worth following means that you need to be trustworthy. Mm. You can't be trustworthy if you don't A, trust yourself and do what you say you're going to do. And you don't do what you say you're going to do in front of your team. So what we've instilled in our girls is that, look, if you're going to say that you're going to do something, you got to follow through because every time you don't you break trust with yourself, And you feel untrustworthy, which then other people pick up on as untrustworthy. And your, your self-esteem is built through your own self-trust, right? So don't tell someone you're going to do something that you're not going to do. Don't tell yourself that you're going to do something that you're not going to do. Really feel in and ask yourself, if I say that I'm going to do this, am I actually going to do this? And if you don't think you will, then just don't say it, Mm -hmm. right? Like build that trust with yourself so that you can, you can, um, you can rely on yourself. You have confidence in yourself that no matter what happens, you can deal with it, Hmm. right? But if you don't do that, if you continually break trust with yourself, you continually say you're going to do things that you don't do, then you actually become way weak when it comes to both leading yourself and leading an organization and parenting. Like your kids watch everything that you do. Model that for them, right? It's not like, do as I say, not what I do. That's not, that's not good parenting. It's like, I'm I'm modeling what I'm teaching them Mm. because they're learning more from watching me than they are from hearing what I'm saying to them.
1: This is like, this is what true leadership or personal power really is right like being the example not being the expert and this is something that i've been anchoring into my into my brand and my business more and more is a, is that uh humility of i don't have it all figured out and i think as leaders of companies there's this um fear of being seen as not perfect um and this idea of hierarchy Right. Of like, I'm better than you or because of my position within the company, I hold more power. And in some regard, that might be true because there has to be certain levels of leadership and power in terms of like decision making and things like that. But ultimately, I feel like when when there's an opportunity for humility the reason why it feels so scary is because it's like a respect thing, or it's a it's a like how you view me thing. Like for example, if like I literally just walked through this this weekend, I was hosting a retreat and I was in this weird dynamic of um, holding space as a facilitator, but also receiving at the same time, which feels strange to me. Like I had a a, a sister of mine was facilitating a sound healing. And we were doing some inner child work and I really, I was invited into receiving and it, but it was like, where's the line between being the participant or being the facilitator. And so it was hard for me to be in that space with women that are paying me to receive a transformation. And so in, in your mind, it's like, okay, I'm in a position of power and and I think in coaching dynamics or leadership dynamics, when we're in positions of power, we automatically go into a hierarchy of I'm above you, or I hold more control, or I, I hold more than you do. And so- like what you're saying is bringing it to, we're both human and we're, we're on an equal playing field in terms of like our opportunity for transparency and our opportunity for experience that, um, as the parent or as the leader, yes, my responsibility is to lead you is to guide you, but it doesn't mean that I'm not like, it doesn't mean that I'm perfect. Like I'm going to make mistakes. But there is that fear there of like, if I'm in a role of a leadership role and I'm open and vulnerable about, Hey, I'm navigating this thing over here, or I made this mistake. Will my team see me as less of a leader? I think that's where our brains go. But really what happens is they actually see you as a better leader. They see more relatability. They see more connection through vulnerability and honesty. And they're going, wow, okay. Like I'm safe to be imperfect. I'm still going to try my best. I'm still going to put my best foot forward. I'm not going to be careless, but I'm safe to be, to make mistakes. I'm safe to be imperfect. And it's not going to be met with shame or criticism. It's going to be met with empowerment and exploration of like, okay, let's walk through this. So it's such a, it's such a, I'm so glad that we're having this conversation because I think more people need to hear it because from a leadership perspective, it is really uncomfortable to be in those scenarios. And I think it's like, even in a parenting role, it's like, well, what? Like you never want to be viewed as making a mistake, right? Well,
0: vulnerable is tough for a lot of people because yes. vulnerability is not safe. It wasn't safe when you were a child, right? You, you everyone has like a, a seminal moment where they remember their first humiliation um, or their first big pain, right? That that like
1: yeah.
0: they, they opened themselves up and, and were vulnerable and and it didn't it didn't go well and it was painful, right? But when when you're a leader, I don't care what kind of leader you are. Vulnerability is a superpower across all of them. Um, I'm not sure if you read this, but there's a really great book. It's by Amy Edmondson and it's on psychological safety, fearless organization. It was interesting how, how this ties directly to vulnerability. And of course, you know, Brene Brown's got a great book called, um, I have it right here actually called Dare to Lead. And it's all about vulnerability as a superpower, but you know, in the book, um, fearless organization, they talk about what happens when your leaders don't admit mistakes. Um, and they use examples of the hospital, right? So you've got a nurse who is under this physician and the physician writes in the chart, the specific med- medication to give this patient. And the nurse notices that the medication isn't correct. Right. But it's not safe for her to tell the doctor the medication is not correct because then He's ha- he has had a pattern of lashing back because she's questioned his authority. So she doesn't say anything and guess what happens? Yeah. Right. It ha- It's rampant in, in hospital organizations. And it's because there's a lack of vulnerability. There's a lack of willingness to admit that a, that a mistake has been made. Um, and there's nothing wrong with people are human. People people are meant to make mistakes. I mean, think about the first mistakes you made. You were learning to walk. How many yes. times did you fall down? Right. Yes, like,
1: yes, yes. Your parents didn't
0: push you down and say, give up, sucker. You're never gonna learn how to walk. You know, like it was like, yes, keep making mistakes, keep trying. Yes. And then you go to school and then it becomes not okay to make mistakes anymore because you get embarrassed by mistakes. So you go to the board and you add the wrong equation up incorrectly and class laughs, right? So you put an armor on and you decide that you're not gonna be vulnerable anymore and you're not gonna, you're not gonna let people see your mistakes. And that doesn't translate when you're in a leadership role. So great book. Uh, It's very dense. It's very thick. Um, And then again, like Brene Brown goes goes really deep into the power of vulnerability as a leader um, in her book, Dare to Lead.
1: I I think this is such an important conversation to have around leadership because women in general tend to be, and I'm generalizing, right, more emotionally intelligent and have, I think, a greater capacity for vulnerability. And I'm just curious, um, being a, a a female executive, and I'm sure you're in several different uh, environments where perhaps you're the only female in the room, or um, you're in leadership circles where your your style of leadership and this type of conversation we're having is, is not the norm. So how do you navigate the desire to be a vulnerable leader in a world that is predominantly dominated by individuals in a leadership role who fear vulnerability like to their core because it's just not part of their DNA? basically so, like the difference between men and women, <laughs> like essentially.
0: Yeah. So for me, I've gotten to the point and I, I don't, I don't know when this happened or what, what the switch was. Um, I've gotten to this point where I, I don't care if someone doesn't agree with me. I really don't care if they think my methods and, and what I believe is, is wrong. So I walk into any situation just being me. And generally what happens is When I'm the one that goes first, and I always say this leaders, you all have to go first. You all have to be vulnerable first. When I go first, people either lean in and they want more of that and they want to learn how to do that themselves and they're interested by the conversation or they lean back and they self-select out. And that's the, that's the beauty of anything that polarizes, right? Like those people, I don't want in my circle anyway right like they can do their own thing maybe it works for them they've got people that want to, want to to do things their way but if i'm hiding who i am then i'm back to having that armor on i'm not leading myself i'm not being true to myself i'm not being my own word and i'm breaking trust again with myself so in any situation do i feel i mean Does it bring up uncomfortable feelings in me? Yes. Do I want to blend into the wallpaper like I wanted to when I was in high school and I walked into a party, right? Yes, absolutely. But there's this like, there's this like higher sense of purpose for me to not allow myself to do that. So instead I lean into it instead of stepping out of it. And I am okay being myself and I'm okay with some people saying, ooh, I I like how you're doing that. I want to know more. And I'm also okay with people being like, she's a freaking nut job. I don't want anything to do with her. Right. Like I'm totally fine with that.
1: Yes. Like it's okay for you to unsubscribe from what I'm saying and actually would prefer that you do because there's nothing worse than like a fence sitter who's like wishy-washy energy. Right. And you're bringing up this, this concept of embodiment that I've been like deepening into in my brand and my business. And what I really want women to understand women leaders is that you know uh initially we're taught that confidence is look at me like look at the job that i have look at how much money i make look at the accolades the degrees that i have and we're so driven by accomplishment as a determining factor for the value that we hold and it's it, in some ways provides us with leverage um and like some low key ways to manipulate the story that other people tell about us based on like Everything I've done. So, like, you know, look at me, look at what I've done. Here's my worth. Let me prove to you. It's all very much driven by like proving energy. Right. And that's, I think, to your point, like when we're little, we don't have that. And then we have our first heartbreak or we have our first embarrassment. And all of a sudden we realize, like, oh, being the true me is not safe. And so we right. build this exterior. And what you're sharing is the power shift, which is even more magnetic is the here I am version of me. Like this is true embodiment, true embodiment of leadership, true embodiment of vulnerability, true embodiment of alignment and integrity of like, it's not about any of the stuff of what I've accomplished or the accolades or the degrees or any of that, because it's like, I walk, my energy walks into the room before I do my word is law. And I know myself and I'm unapologetic about it. And if you don't like it, that's okay. So it's not about like, I. it's less about trying to craft a story in someone else's mind about who you are. It's that you already know who you are and you don't really care what story they craft. So it's like the paradigm shifts, right? And I think that there's such a need for this type of conversation around self Leadership and embodiment of truth and this here I am confidence that as more women are stepping into leadership roles and they're leading from their feminine and they're leading from emotional intelligence and vulnerability, like it just opens up so much for so many successful companies to thrive because it's just people feel safe in that. They feel welcome to that. And then you can mirror what that looks like. And so instead of you mirroring this leadership paradigm that's based on hierarchy and it's based on scarcity and fear of being truthful, you're leading from a paradigm of like true embodiment and safety and openness and vulnerability, which to me, I would imagine as a leader creates a team that is like literally so rock solid that you can't break it. Right. Like it's it, but people that operate in that old way think that that, that would not create solid team. Like it would, it would create, um, dissemination in the ranks, so to speak, but it doesn't. It doesn't.
0: It was interesting because I was having a conversation with a business owner the other day and she said to me, I want to be a better leader, but I've never really known how to be an authority. And Mm. I looked at her and I said, never would I consider myself an authority." Like, I'm not the authority of my team. Yes, I can make some of the more high-risk decisions. That's part of my role. That doesn't mean that I'm the authority. I'm on their team. I'm actually working for them. Like, my team's not working for me. I'm working for them because I know if I can make them better, if I can help, if I can increase their skill, if I can help them feel more safe, if I can support them in what's important to them, that that then catalyzes the team to create incredible things like this old, like this old idea of ha- having this, like you know, dictator top end all be all know everything is so archaic. Like yes. it just needs, in my opinion, it just needs to go away because the best teams are not led by authority, mm. right? Like it's it's like, uh, and she she just looked at me like I've never considered that. I'm like these, I work for these guys, like they don't. I work for them. Like I'm constantly checking in with them. What do you need? How are you feeling about your goals? How close are we to this? Like, is there anything I can do to support you in this? Hey, I saw that this this measure wasn't hit. What can I do to support you in hitting it next time? Like, it's not this like like, me against them garbage. It's we're the same team and I'm behind them. I'm like the wind blowing their sails to make them as best as they can be so that we can create the result that we want.
1: Mm, that word authority landed so deeply for me. That's the word I was looking for. And I couldn't quite find it probably because I don't align with it. And like my body literally doesn't like the word authority. Yeah, so yeah. I was like, I can't quite find the word. And when you said it, I was like, Oh, that's it. Yeah. And authoritative leadership feels very much top down yeah. versus what you're saying feels very much bottom up, which feels way better and more supportive. Right. So Clearly we can go down so many rabbit holes with this conversation. I'm like, Oh, there's so much juice here. And I really hope that, um, if you guys are listening, that you're like, this is landing because it is such an important conversation and, um, gosh, yeah, I feel like we could just like talk about this for hours. So, um, okay. So where can people find you connect with you connect? I mean, we already talked about the website, but what's the best, if people want more of you in their life, what's the best way for them to connect with you?
0: So if you want more me in your life, I have my own Instagram account. It's at Steph Tuss. So this was all part of me as part of the rebrand. I'm not, I may have just made my account public like four four months ago because I was perfectly <laughs> fine, like staying hidden. So yes, please follow me on Instagram. I post all kinds of really cool stuff, um, stuff from me personally, like how I manage my life and also um, how we manage uh, our team. So I love, for you to pop in and oh my gosh, if you take the the leadership assessment, pop, slide into my DMs and tell me what kind of leader you are. It yes. would be like it would make my day to know that people are are enjoying this this assessment and that's making a difference for them. So mm. yeah, for me personally, at Steph Tuss on Instagram. Okay.
1: And we'll pop that in the show notes. Yeah. I love following your adventures and the airstream and all the fun things that you and your husband do. It just seems like, again, I love, I love seeing the duality of your life of like this boss CEO, but also like out in nature and playful and fun. And like, there's room for all these different archetypes. And I really, I just, I, I've really enjoyed seeing you kind of express those different archetypes. It's been super fun for me.
0: Yes. It's, it's, it's fine to be a female and be a complete person. (laughs)
1: is like, wow, what a novel idea.
0: You can be a complete person. This morning I posted on Instagram. Hey, look, I watched an Instagram reel and learned how to do a messy bun.
1: I was literally thinking like, wow, your bun looks really, I'm like, her bun looks really good. Like I'm digging it.
0: I nailed it. Right. But it's like, I mean, there's no, like, there's no armor that needs to be up. Like we can all just be human beings and appreciate each other for who we are. All of us, not just Mm -hmm. the The CEO that's, you know, leading this company. I'm also, I'm also a mom. I'm also in love with my dog. We also travel in Airstreams. We all, I mean, I, I love oat milk ice cream. I mean, like (laughs) there's like, there's whole people, right? There's whole people. And I think sometimes people only, only allow um, other people to see just a little, the smidge that feels safe.
1: Yeah. I love the humanness that's coming out of um, like, you're seeing more and more leaders and companies like sharing those, the humanness of, of their life. And I just think it's so, I, I mean, it puts a bow on this conversation so perfectly. Yeah. So thank you. Okay. Yes. Last question. Yes. What are you celebrating right now?
0: Oh, well, I'm celebrating the launch. Obviously I've been blab- blabbing about that for the last hour. Um, I'm celebrating my two girls who are doing really well, independent. They're, they're making mistakes. They're learning their way. Um, they're being successful in the world, which I mean, that's like, I've kept them alive and they're actually like flourishing. So I'm celebrating um, myself as a mom. Um, and I'm also celebrating my team. Honestly, like we could not have done what we've done without like the amazing people working behind the scenes. Um as part of our team to make all this happen, because this is not me. Like I did not do all this. They did all this. And it was because they aligned with what, with what our bigger mission is and wanted to be a part of it. So huge win, huge
1: celebration. I love that. Do you have anything planned to actually celebrate?
0: So we are going, we are all going to a masquerade ball tomorrow, our whole team are dressing up in like total formal attire. I mean, we don't, we don't give ourselves permission to do this enough. We're dressing up in formal attire. We're all wearing masks. We're going to this masquerade ball in support of, um, a, a foundation that's local to us here in Mooresville, North Carolina called the mayor foundation, which supports the, the children's homes in our area. And we're going to just enjoy each other's company and celebrate and have an absolute fantastic time.
1: That sounds like so much fun. you yes. is it like black tie? Like you have a fancy gown
0: and all legit black tie, like <laughs> you know, gown, red, you know, lace off the shoulder, hair done, like guys in suits and t- yeah, oh yeah, it's it's going to be so much fun. Drinks, dinner, dancing in this beautiful ballroom. Yeah, it's going to be really, really fun. And I get to do it with my team, which I mean, I would go, well, we have, but I would go on vacation with my entire team. I love every single one of them.
1: Oh, that sounds like so much fun. Okay, please post on social so I can follow. Oh yes, there would be <laughs> so- lots
0: of pictures posted on socials.
1: I loved this conversation. Thank you so much for just being um, willing and vulnerable and open to going in all the different directions and, and, you know, the layers. I know that this is going to be a a conversation that I come back to time and time again. I have, you know, every now and then you have these conversations that just anchor so much for you. And I, I'm in a space right now, of leadership growth and thinking in terms of becoming a founder of a physical product, which I've never even considered before. And so it's just interesting. Thank you. I know I'm like sweating. I'm nervous. I'm excited. <laughs> it's in a space that I feel wildly uh unqualified for, which means like, hey, I get to lean into this more. So it's no surprise that um the universe brought us together to have this conversation because you know it's bi-directional, right? So thank you so much for your light and your gifts. And, um, you guys, if you're, if you're loving the conversation, please share it with someone that, you know, would love it and take the quiz, take the assessment, screenshot it, tag staff. You can tag me tag life is now. Um, I want to see what your leadership style is. I can't wait to see what mine is as well. So thank you so thank much. You.
0: This, is,
1: this was amazing. Thank you. And until the next episode, live your boldly courageous life. Thank you so much for living your boldly courageous life with me today. I am beyond grateful for you and this amazing community we are building together. It's truly my mission to get this message out into the world and empower others to step fully into the life they've always dreamed of.